Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Fortinet Second Quarter 2021 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Peter Salkowski, Vice President of Investor Relations. Sir, please go ahead. Thank you, Catherine. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Peter Salkowski, Vice President of Investor Relations at Fortinet. I am pleased to welcome everyone to our call to discuss Fortinet's financial results for the second quarter of 2021, which we are hosting from inside of our new building. Speakers on today's call are Ken Z, Fortinet's Founder, Chairman, and CEO, and Keith Jensen, our Chief Financial Officer. This is a live call that will be available for replay via webcast on the Investor Relations website. Ken will begin our call by providing a high-level perspective on our business. Keith will then review our financial and operating results for the second quarter before providing guidance for the third quarter and updating the full year. We will then open the call for questions. During the Q&A session, we ask that you please keep your questions brief and limit yourself to one question to allow others to participate. Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone that on today's call, we will be making forward-looking statements, and these forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, which could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. Please refer to our SEC filings, in particular the risk factors in our most recent Form 10-K and Form 10-Q for more information. All forward-looking statements reflect your opinions only as of the date of this presentation, and we undertake no obligation and specifically disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking statements. Also, all references to financial metrics that we make on today's call are non-GAAP unless stated otherwise. Our GAAP results and GAAP to non-GAAP reconciliations is located in our earnings press release and in the presentation that accompanies today's remarks, both of which are posted on the Investor Relations website. Lastly, all references to growth are on a year-over-year basis unless noted otherwise. I will now turn the call over to Ken. Thanks, Peter, and thank you to everyone for joining today's call to review our outstanding second quarter 2021 results. Buildings increased 35% to $961 million driven by solid execution and was the best it has been since 2015. Secure SD accounts for 14% of second quarter buildings. Total revenue grows 30% to $801 million, with product revenue up 41%. Product revenue growth was the highest for nearly 10 years. Fresh cash flow was $395 million, a quarterly record level. With strong business momentum, we remain focused on growth. Today, we announced expansion of our 40 care and 40 guard security services, adding a new security service called 40 Trust. 40 Trust security service offers user-based licensing that follow the user across the organization's entire security platform. This enables organizations to easily manage and secure across all network, endpoint, and cloud which traditionally has been siloed. Initial service levels are being offered for zero-trust network access and identity verification. We enhance the current 40 care security services, which cover all Fortinet security fabric products, with three levels of services, to including 24 by 7 technical support and timely issue resolution. Additionally, 40 guard security service has been fine-toned for different segments, with added individual services for enterprise, bundles for commercial, and the packages for SMB. Leveraging industry-leading threat intelligence from FortiGuard Lab, FortiGuard Secure Service offers market-leading AI-enabled security capability that regularly adjusts protection across the Fortinet security fabric. Today, we announced a new FortiGate 3500F the industry's first high-performance next-generation firewall with integrated zero-trust network access and ransomware protection. Powered by the Fortinet MP7A6SPU, the 3500F offers an average six times more performance than other competitive products based on our security computing. This makes the 3500F 
the best protection for high-speed internal network and data centers. We continue to see the momentum and adoption of our SD-WAN, zero trust network access, and cloud solutions among the world's largest service providers. In May, Fortinet was recognized as the winner of the Microsoft Security Customer Impact Award. Last week, Fortinet was named Google Cloud's 2020 Security Partner of the Year, recognized for innovative thinking, outstanding customer service, and best-in-class use of a cloud products and services. Before turning the call over to Keith, I would like to thank our employee, customer, and partners worldwide for their continuous support and hard work. Thank you, Ken. And to add to your comments, we should note that as in the prior quarter, buildings growth, product revenue growth, and total revenue growth all accelerated sequentially. In fact, all three growth rates were at five-year net highs, and product revenue growth was at its highest in over nine years. Okay, let's start the more detailed Q2 discussion with revenue. Total revenue of $801 million was up 30%, driven by industry-leading product revenue growth of 41%. The product revenue growth was broad-based across geographies, FortiGate and non-FortiGate products, and across use cases, illustrating market acceptance and customer demand for our integrated single-platform security fabric strategy across customer infrastructures. Our financial strategy includes a rule of 40 target. We target the total of the revenue growth percentage and operating margin to be at least 40. In the second quarter, strong demand and execution drove this actual total to be a rule of 55. FortiGate product revenue growth was 40%. While we continue to see robust growth from our secure SD-WAN functionality, the majority of the growth was driven by FortiGate revenue from other capabilities which are embedded in the FortiGate operating system. Non-FortiGate product revenue growth was over 40% for the second consecutive quarter and was driven by strong growth from our integrated security fabric products. One additional comment on our product revenue growth. The product revenue growth was a reflection of our continued strong organic growth and not the result of a few large deals, drawing down backlog, nor an unusual number of delayed transactions from the prior quarter or pulled in from future periods. Service revenue of $503 million was up 24%. Support and related services revenue of $230 million was up 26%, while security subscription services revenue of $273 million was up 23%. Moving to the mix of FortiGate and non-FortiGate platform revenue, FortiGate product and services revenue increased 26%, driven by very strong demand for both branch and high-end FortiGate products. High-end products included 10 NP7-powered FortiGate models, representing approximately 25% of high-end FortiGate shipments. Our ASIC-driven FortiGates give customers 5 to 10 times more computing power than firewalls running on common CPUs. The advanced computing power creates additional speed and capacity to continue to add functionality to our operating system further driving our price or performance advantage. The combination of the ASIC advantage and the common operating system across products can enable vendor consolidation, lowering total cost of ownership, and increasing automation. Non-Fortigate product and services revenue grew 39% and accounted for approximately 30% of total revenue, up over two percentage points. The integrated security fabric consists of a complete range. Could you close that door? A bit of a rehearsal for all our hands meeting later on today, folks. So you've got an inside scoop on what Patrice is going to say. Let me start again, if I may. Non-Fortigate product and services revenue grew 39% and accounted for approximately 30% of total revenue, up over two percentage points. The integrated security fabric consists of a complete range of form factors and delivery methods including physical and virtual appliances, cloud, SaaS, and perpetual software, as well as hosted and non-hosted solutions. Together, they provide a range of security solutions and form factors, enabling integrated protection for the hybrid environments and the expanding digital attack surface from network data centers to endpoints to the cloud. Let's turn to revenue by geo. To summarize on slide five, revenue in EMEA increased 34%. The Americas revenue increased 29%, and APAC posted revenue growth of 
Product revenue growth for both the Americas and EMEA regions was over 40%. Moving to billings, second quarter billings were $961 million, up 35%. We saw strong growth in both the FortiGate and non-FortiGate segments of the security fabric platform. The FortiGate segment delivered billings growth of over 30%, accounting for 71% of total billings. As shown on slide six, branch and high-end FortiGates posted very strong billings growth. The non-FortiGate segment accounted for over 29% of total billings and delivered billings growth of over 45%, driving a two-point mix shift to non-FortiGate products and services. Given the continued strong performance, we believe our non-FortiGate platform is on a pace to be a $1 billion business this year. Secure SD-WAN billings represented 14% of total billings, and it's a key functionality for an integrated SASE solution. In terms of billings by GEO, MIA outperformed all GEOs, followed by the Americas and APAC. Europe had a very good quarter, and growth in the Americas was driven by the United States, which was up sequentially by more than 30 percentage points. Latin America continued to recover from the pandemic-induced slowdown, posting billings growth in the mid-20s for the second consecutive quarter. The average contract term was approximately 28 months, up two months from the second quarter of 2020, and one month from the first quarter of 2021. Deals over $1 million increased from 59 to 79, and the pipeline for deals over $1 million continues to look good for the remainder of the year. Secure SD-WAN deals over $1 million increased from 13 to 19. Moving to worldwide billings by industry verticals. Billings by vertical illustrate the diversification in our business model, and importantly, suggest the current threat landscape is driving security investments in industries that may have historically shown lower investment levels. For example, the verticals that have historically not been in our top five combined for billings growth of over 75%. Service providers accounted for 14% of total billings and were up 25%. Moving back to the income statement, product revenue growth of 41% drove a three-point shift in the product and services revenue mix, and along with it, a gross margin decrease of 160 basis points to 77.5%. Product gross margin improved 70 basis points to 617 Services gross margin decreased 160 basis points to 86.9, with data center investments in FX accounting for about 100 basis points of the impact. Operating margin of 25.4% was at the top end of the guidance range, despite a 350 basis point headwind from the gross margin decline, a weaker U.S. dollar, and increased travel and marketing event costs. We ended the quarter with a total headcount of 9,043, an increase of 17%. Moving to the statement of cash flow summarized on slides 7 and 8, free cash flow for the second quarter came in at a quarterly record of $395 million. benefiting from strong revenue growth, good month, good month one linearity, and lower capital expenditures. In the quarter, we repurchased approximately 455,000 shares of common stock for a total cost of $92 million and an average share price of approximately $201. The remaining share repurchase authorization at the end of the second quarter was $921 million, with the authorization set to expire at the end of February 2022. We ended the first half of the year with total cash and investments of $3.4 billion, an increase of $1.7 billion. The increase includes the proceeds from our $1 billion investment-grade debt issuance during the first quarter of 2021. DSOs returned to pre-pandemic levels, decreasing seven days year-over-year and 15 days quarter-over-quarter, to 66 days. Inventory turns increased to 2.7 times from 2.2 times, reflecting strong product sales in the quarter. Capital expenditures for the quarter were $24 million, and we have started to move into the new Sunnyvale building. We estimate third quarter capital expenditures to be between 65 and $75 million, which includes a $30 million payment for the new campus building. We estimate 2021 capital expenditures to be between 175 and $200 million. With the acceleration of the growth and a little more understanding of the post-pandemic work patterns, we're turning our attention to reviewing our facility's footprint and the needed office and warehouse capacity in the U.S. and Canada. As we work through this process, it is possible that our estimated capital expenditures over the next few quarters 
will increase as we prepare for the next phase of our growth. Looking forward, our goal remains to balance growth and profitability. And given the growth opportunities that we believe lie ahead, we continue to expect to tilt our bias within this framework more towards growth for at least the next several quarters. The opportunities we see are supported by a strong pipeline, increased sales effectiveness, the growing success of the single integrated security platform strategy and the convergence of security and networking, the response to the current threat environment, and our development efforts, which include continuing to invest in our ASIC advantage, which enables a shared operating system across the security fabric platform, drives our price for performance advantage, increase the capacity to add features and functions while maintaining price points. I'd like to review our outlook for the third quarter summarized on slide nine, which is subject to disclaimers regarding forward-looking information that Peter provided at the beginning of the call. For the third quarter, we expect buildings in the range of 940 million to 960 million, revenue in the range of 800 million to 815 million, non-GAAP gross margin of 77.5 to 78.5 percent, non-GAAP operating margin of 24.5 to 25.5 percent, which includes an estimated 200 basis point headwind from foreign exchange and increased travel and marketing costs. Non-GAAP earnings per share of 90 to 95 cents, which assumes a share count of between 169 and 171 million. We expect a non-GAAP tax rate of 21%. With that, we are raising our 2021 guidance and expect billings in the range of 3 billion 870 million to 3 billion 920 million, which in the midpoint represents growth of approximately 26%. Revenue in the range of 3 billion 210 million to 3 billion 250 million, which in the midpoint represents growth of approximately 24.5%. Total service revenue in the range of $2 billion, $45 million, $2 billion to $2 billion, $75 million, which represents growth of approximately 23% and implies full-year full product revenue growth of approximately 28%. Non-GAAP gross margin of 77% to 79%. Non-GAAP operating margins of 25% to 27%, which includes an estimated 200 basis point headwind from foreign exchange and increased travel and marketing costs. Non-GAAP earnings per share of $3.75 to $3.90, which assumes a share count of between 168 and 170 million. We expect our non-GAAP tax rate to be 21%. We expect cash taxes to be approximately $90 million. Along with Ken, I'd like to thank our partners, customers, and the Fortinet team for all their hard work, execution, and outstanding success in the first half of 2021. I'll now hand the call back over to Peter for the Q&A session. Thank you, Keith. Operator Catherine, we're ready to open the call for questions, please. Sure. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your questions, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And our first question is from Brian Isik of Goldman Sachs. Sir, please go ahead. Great. Thank you for taking the question, and guys, thank, uh, congratulations on the results. Really nice set of results this quarter. Um, you know, maybe to start off, Ken, um, I, I know you've, you've talked for years about not having exposure to firewall refresh cycles within your business. Um, could you maybe unpack a little bit the, the product revenue performance? Um, are you starting to see uh, perhaps some exposure to the refresh cycles of others? Is this more um, you know, rip and replace uh, uh, infrastructure upgrades or expansions. Maybe if you can maybe give us a little bit of an understanding of what's going on behind the product revenue growth this quarter. Yes, thanks, Brian. Uh, great question. Uh, I think the, the industry, uh, whether during the pandemic, after the pandemic, probably in some kind of a whole, uh, whole structure changing. Uh, it, it's, a, it's no longer the traditional border kind of firewall will be enough. You have to expand into the one side, like secure SD-WAN, the 5G, and also the internal, have to do like internal segmentation, replacing the, the switch with secure switch and the Wi-Fi uh, to prevent all this kind of a ransomware or kind of internal attack. Uh, so that's where, and also a consolidation also going on, and they also need to have a integrate, uh, like a different part infrastructure secure integrate together to, to protect the, the whole, whole attack, multi, multi kind of attack surface uh, protection there. 
so that's where we, we see it's a, it's, a, it's a big change for the, the whole architecture of how to uh, architect the new, new protection uh, architecture to, to protect the whole infrastructure security there. Uh, so that, that's probably different than the, just refresh the traditional firewall, right? but it's a, the new uh, expanded infrastructure need to be have uh, all protection there. So that's what we see, like uh, the, the product we announced today, Super 100F, is more go inside the high-speed network environment uh, to do all these kind of uh, internal uh, segmentation within data center protection and all these kind of things. And then also the, we see very strong growth, whether the CQSD brand and also the 5G growth. Uh, that's drive a lot of uh, uh, branch office work and home solution there. Uh, that's where the unit grow probably even 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 much faster there. Uh, so we we see that the whole infrastructure being changed, all the code security driven networking started kind of more adopted by the by the both enterprise and also uh, uh, all different kind of vertical. Got it. That that's super helpful. Maybe, maybe to follow up, um, service provider was slightly lower as a percentage of revenue this quarter. Um, I, I understand that, you know, on the product revenue side and the high end, you saw a lot better growth. But is that, is, should we think about that segment, you know, particularly um, to the extent that, you know, they might be selling through for SASE or you might be getting better traction with Opaque? Um, how, how should we think about growth of the service provider market? Is that still to come or is that a more stable kind of, you know, mid-20s grower segment for you? Uh, I think it's in the ramp-up stage, uh, still in the early stage of ramp-up. Uh, compared to last quarter, probably like uh, <clears throat> down about 15%. This quarter grew about 25%. Uh, so starting to ramp up, like I mentioned, they're, they're kind of a building infrastructure, whether for the 5G, SD1, or SASE, uh, <coughs> which we have a different strategy. Our SASE strategy actually quite a different, <coughs> probably very different from our other player. Uh, so we have a dual strategy. Uh, <coughs> we are probably the only one working with service provider to build in their SASE at the same time. Um, like the service revenue, we, we kind of uh, lower the margin that will be there. Also, invest in some of our own infrastructure. Uh, if some customer don't have a service provider or want to <coughs> work with us directly, we also have a kind of own kind of SASE solution there. We should also integrate uh, with the 40OS. Inside 40OS, they have a building SASE, their trust network access, and some other part. It, it's also kind of a different than our competitor, and eventually they also hope we can use an ASIC or salary to add additional company power to our kind of own SASE solution there. So that, that's where we, we feel it's a, it's a, a long-term investment, but once we have it, we have a huge advantage compared to other competitors. All right, that's helpful, color. Thank you very much, and congrats again. Thank you. Our next question. Yes, sir. Our next question from Hamza Farlawala of Morgan Stanley. You may go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Um, I had a follow-up uh, regarding um, the, the prior question on, on, on some of the drivers of product revenue growth. So, Ken, um, you know, as, as your customers start coming back into the office or as we move into this more hybrid work environment, and you talked a lot about these larger network transformation deals. I was wondering – what do you see the pipeline looking like for those larger deals heading into the back half and beyond? And do you think that, um, you know, some of the things that we saw in the past 12 to 18 months is going to be an accelerant for those, um, you know, more larger infrastructure-type deals? Yeah, we see the pipeline very strong for the larger multiple product uh, <coughs> deal, uh, which, like, uh, <coughs> approach, uh, I mean, uh, cover multiple part of infrastructure. And also the product revenue growth, like 41%, is also very strong. We feel that all products are very different than the traditional or some more competitors using the CPU only. So we have the, the latest CPU from industry, but also we developed ASIC in the last 21 years. Uh, just like the product we announced today, the 3500F, based on all calculation, uh, we call it secure computing region, basically for the same cost, what's the function performance compared to other competitors or industry average, so we have a six-time better performance, basically like uh, because the computing power advantage is huge from our own ASIC. Uh, so that's where changing the landscape of uh, uh, like uh, uh, the, the product or whether network security product or some other 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 leveraged ASIC is a huge. This huge computing power gave us much better, more function and better performance uh, that can easily replace a lot of our competitors. 
about the same time, we do see the expansion total addressable market, whether to work from home or kind of a secure internal uh, <clears throat> internal network inside the company, inside data center, uh, which also drive a lot of high-end product growth. So the high-end product percentage also we see probably pretty high, maybe the, the highest in the last few quarters or even last few years. Got it. That's helpful. And maybe just a follow-up question for, for Keith or, or, or Ken. Um, you know, Keith, you mentioned uh, the, the the operating margin um, in the back half having about a 200 basis point uh, impact from FX. Um, I was just wondering, you know, just on your spending plans um, around hiring, um, what you're seeing there. It's obviously a very competitive market for talent these days, and I'm wondering if that's been factored at all into your guide. Yeah, I think we obviously pay attention to our recruiting and, and to our attrition rates. Um, I think the metric that we gave was that our uh, overall headcount increased 17%. I would offer that. The sales headcount actually grew significantly more than that. So I, don't, I think that, you know, we're in a bit of a sweet spot, and it kind of relates to what Ken was saying just a moment ago in terms of, you know, the success that we're having. You know, I think you can read through uh, to the high-end Fortigates as probably being, you know, data center deployments and probably taking advantage of some com- some competitors that are going through a refresh cycle, and at the same time, some of the the, the branch um, Fortigates, you know, maybe even reflective of digital transformation. And I think that the audience of salespeople understand that and they see the opportunities there. Thank you. Answer our next question from Sterling Audi of J.P. Morgan. You may go ahead. Yeah, thanks, guys. For my one question, I just wanted to dive into, Keith, in your prepared remarks, you made the comment that the majority of growth was driven by Fortigate, or driven by Fortigate revenue from other capabilities embedded in the operating system. I wondered if you could kind of peel back the onion there. What does that mean? And what capabilities were you referring to that were in particular demand in the quarter? Yeah, I, I think that we've tried to make the point in the past that the uh, some people think about the firewall somewhat simplistically. We probably track close to 12 to different 12 to 15 different firewall use cases. Uh, whether you want to talk about micro segmentation, IPS, etc., um, all of those, you know, the, the totality of those, uh, the growth there was was contributed more, if you will, than SD-WAN. SD-WAN itself still obviously contributed very nicely at 14% of our total billings, uh, which probably puts it close to about 35% or probably 55% growth. Um, so I think there's a long list of things that, that a firewall is used for, and we were very pleased with the success that we saw throughout that, that suite of offerings. Also, especially the the 40 OS 7, we have a building and zero trust network access and the building SASE there. We see very strong <coughs> interest in this area. Uh, both from the service provider, from enterprise, from work-from-home solution there. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. And, sir, our next question from uh, Rob Owens of Pipe Resampler. You may go ahead. Great. Like, thank you guys for taking my question. And, and following the lead of Mr. Audi, I'd like to ask one question. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on your commentary around some of these non-traditional verticals that um, uh, are starting to tick up meaningfully and spend? Is this more one-time in nature, or these verticals are just starting to wake up to some of the, the security issues that we're reading about in the media every day? And to that, and maybe you could comment a little bit around your OT success and your strategy there. Thanks. Yeah, and, and Rob, I think you did a very good job of laying all the dots to connect there. Uh, we're, talking, we're looking at industries or verticals such as manufacturing, transportation, uh, energy, utilities, or what have you, um, and to see the dramatic growth that we saw in that segment of the business. We have, we've historically talked about our top five financial services, government, service provider, uh, tech, and retail, and they've been very consistent about that 65 66%. But we saw a significant shift this quarter to those others, and it was just the sheer growth that we saw in those others. Um, and the point that you alluded to, OT, uh, OT performed very, very strongly in the quarter, and I think that's consistent with what we saw with that vertical growth and those other verticals that I just mentioned. Thank you very much. Our next question from Marshall Ariel of Cohen & Company. You may go ahead. Thank you. Also, single question on my end. Um, when we look at the billing upside, revenue upside you've printed, can you unpack for us the mix 
between you logos and, and the current install base, um, any qualitative color and discussion will be appreciated. Yeah, Charles Keith, um, new logos were very strong in the quarter, um, probably up about uh, 50% year over year. Uh, and I've, I've given numbers in the past that kind of suggest that 5,000 customers that we had in the quarter, obviously a very strong quarter is going to be north of that. Uh, first part of the response. Second part of the response, you know, you would not normally expect to see that the new customers in the, in the initial quarter would be significant contributors to revenue, but rather contributors to revenue growth over a longer period of time. Uh, but, but there was a, um, a very strong performance from the new logo segment in terms of uh, customers that signed up with us in the quarter. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Our next question from Sakit Kaya of Barclays. Please go ahead. Okay, great. Hey, hey thanks for taking my question here. Um, Ken, maybe, maybe for you, uh, you touched on this a little bit in your prepared remarks, but can you just talk a little bit about the new pricing options that, that you announced recently? You know, specifically, you know, do, do you feel like there's demand for that per user uh, pricing for kind of access to the broader FortiCare and, and FortiGuard portfolio? And, and what, sort, what was sort of some of the early feedback as you maybe tested those options? Uh, we do see uh, going forward, especially like work from home or remotely, uh, the per-user license, which can cover multiple devices, including the mobile or bring-your-own device to work from home, and also internal inside enterprise company there, uh, like uh, cover multiple, uh, like uh, not just the 40K that they go through to the, the zero-trust network access, but also some other, like a web or mail, some other <coughs> application or, or kind of a uh, part of infrastructure data center they need access. Uh, so that's per user license will make it much easier for the user, for the customer to uh, uh, to really uh, use in all these uh, security service in a, in a multiple part of infrastructure, multiple, cover multiple part out there. Uh, so that's where we, we feel this is also very important uh, add on top of the current 40 care which, which cover all the part that we have and also the 40 guard. Uh, cover the product need a real time uh, update on the on, on the on the subscription all these kind of things there, so we feel this forty trust uh, is a, is a probably the trend in the future but still need some time to ramp up, uh, especially we see the the, the zero trust network access uh, starting to have a pretty quick growth uh, opportunity uh, with which we uh, the forty k they already have all this built in, and and also the identity how to like uh, uh, kind of a uh, make sure uh, the identity across multi-party infrastructure can easily uh, uh, kind of manage by the user. We feel all these two services also kind of think get very important. Uh, it's, it still needs some time to ramp up, but we do see there's a huge uh, uh, interest and demand from the customer. That, that's also the reason we, uh, we launched this uh, new 40 trust service. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question, sir, from Michael Twertz of KeyBank. You may go ahead. Hey, everybody. Um, huge quarter, of course. Um, I think we're both key fan for Ken. A lot of people have been circling around and trying to understand uh, the strength and the upside. But I, I guess I'd like to just try to compare where the demand was last year during 2020 to where it is this year and why it seems so much stronger. Has there been a shift say, from remote access focus to more breach, or what has changed both qualitatively and quantitatively that we're seeing this acceleration? Yeah, last year they probably more like uh, uh, in the rush supporting whatever can make it working, uh, working remotely. Uh, but this year, they did definitely see that the, the infrastructure need to be upgraded, need to be changed uh, to more supporting this long term. Uh, so that's where we see a lot of a new infrastructure design and how to support it not just work remotely, but also secure the whole infrastructure, different part of infrastructure from the WAN access to the internal segmentation, uh, and uh, also even the, the 5G or IC WAN or internal Wi-Fi. So there's a lot of uh, new uh, security architecture cover multiple part of a uh, product. Uh, it's a lot of strong interest. And also, Keith mentioned the OT, some other is because of whether the 5G IoT, OT, 
And also that last part also very, very strong. Yeah, Michael, I think I would agree with Ken completely and, and maybe just add, if you think back about Q2 2020 specifically, at least for us, you know, it was a quarter that was characterized probably by uh, a lot of software. Uh, we did very well with our software in the, in the second quarter last year. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, anything that required somebody to be on-premise in a data center or taking on a large deployment or phase deployment or something like that, Q2 of last year, there really, there really wasn't much of that. Uh, obviously today, I think it's, you know, a year later, it's a very, very different environment in that regard. And then I do think you're also seeing, you know, the threat environment and, and things like the OT uh, part of the business do, do very, very well. Great. Thanks, Ken. Our next question from Jonathan Hu of William Lear. You may ask your question. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, I just wanted to understand if uh, you're running into any issues around the supply chain or potential chipset shortages, and you know, does this you know, lead to any potential impact to your order cadences at all? Jonathan, I'd love to say that we're completely immune to chip shortages and such, but I can't say that. Um, yeah, I do think that as we talked about last quarter, uh, the fact that our inventory turns, you know, run, hover around two, you know, or suggested that we have six months of, of inventory on hand. Um, you know, we do, and, and some of the chip manufacturers, are, you know, we're pretty focused on a 52-week lead time. You know, I think I feel very, very good about how the manufacturing and operations team executed in the second quarter and, and how they're going about things for the third quarter and for the rest of this year. Uh, I would offer that as part of the forecasting process and the guidance setting process, you know, that is that has become a more um, uh, significant input, if you will, into that process and making sure that we've accounted for it you know, in terms of our estimates of any challenges that we may have as we move through the rest of the year. Thank you. Our next question from Ben Bolin of Cleveland Research. Sir, you may go ahead. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for taking the question. Ken, historically, when there are periods uh, like this where you see accelerated purchase behavior and a little bit of a run on supply, if you will, um, inevitably there's a bit of a digestion period uh, after the fact as customers learn how to deploy and consume what they just purchased. Could you talk a little bit about how Fabric in the broader organization, either in sales or the channel, is addressing or thinking about that potential risk into the future? Uh, yeah, we definitely see more and more customers see the benefit of uh, uh, the fabric, uh, California fabric, which cover multiple products and integrate automate together. Uh, so that's also making the, the non-40-day grow faster than the 40-day and will be over a billion dollars. <coughs> uh, we think it will be over a billion dollars this year. Uh, so it, it, it's a uh, when customers buy this multiple product, most of them already, uh, like uh, whether they are a customer or already test some of the part, and it just keep expanding beyond the, what's the initial purchase there. So we do see uh, the interest gets stronger and stronger, and, uh, and the non-40K also keeping grow much faster than the 40K, which <laughs> keeping expanding uh, uh, from whatever the, the current installation base uh, within the big enterprise. Uh, that, that's also the, the Gartner forecast. You see that the, the integration, the consolidation setting kind of uh, more and more important for these uh, big enterprise because uh, uh, to manage multiple products from different vendors is much higher cost compared to like uh, the, the, the platform approach, which can multiple product uh, cover different part infrastructure, also integrate automate together with the the, the, the footing of fabric approach we have. Yeah, key and to kind of build on Ken's comment, I think the you know, that is the business strategy, right? If we look at our uh, install base of customers and see how their adoption progresses in terms of the number of fabric products that they add over what period of time, you know, we would certainly expect that to continue on. And then if you look in the current quarter, the, the new customers that we added, you know, those are largely, you know, those are buying firewalls, if you will, and, and maybe one or two things, if you will, from the fabric suite. But as we would expect them, yes, I understand they have to digest and install the firewalls, but as we get, as they get to know and understand our product and our integration strategy more and more, that we'll have the opportunity to come back in and sell them additional products and services as we go forward. Thank you. 
And our next question from Gray Powell of BTIG. You may now ask your question. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I, I'd like to stick with the, um, you know, the, the topic of non-Fortigate and Fabric and Cloud and just sort of the, the, the strength that you've been, that you've been seeing there. Um, within Fabric and Cloud, what are like the, the biggest and the biggest product components that have the, that have the most momentum? And then how should we think about just the sustainability of, uh, that demand longer term? Uh, the non-affordable, we have almost 30 products. Most of them developed internally, uh, and uh, it's uh, so far we have not given up any individual product because up and down quarterly, and also uh, pretty much all contribute uh, <clears throat> kind of to the growth. Uh, we don't see any any one or two too much kind of uh, uh, any compared to the others. Uh, so that's that's probably. Uh, Maybe sometime later we can start and uh, get certain things out. But at this stage, we do see uh, it, it's also dependent on the customer environment, depend on the sales supporting. Uh, like some of them like to have an email working with 40 gates, some is a website, some is endpoint, some is like a network access control, uh, or, or some some kind of sandboxing and uh, or cloud approach. It's a quite a quite a wide coverage of uh, or kind of even cover all these uh, like a 20, 30 product. Uh, so that's where it's very difficult to break out and then try to see the trend. But we do see the, 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 the common message really uh, consolidate, integrate, automate approach definitely has a huge benefit compared to how a separate product come from different vendor. Got it. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you very much and uh, congratulations on the great results. Yeah, thank you. And everyone, as a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. That is, again, star 1 on your telephone keypad. And our next question from Adam Tindall of Raymond Jeans. You may now ask your question. Okay, thank you. I wanted to ask a strategic question to Ken. You had record quarterly free cash flow, so Keith's doing a poor job at managing that more efficient balance sheet he talked about at the analyst day. Uh, but all joking aside, Ken, uh, you've got significant liquidity available both on the balance sheet and can imagine lenders beating down your door. So if you could double-click on the key tech areas that you would consider to enhance the value proposition, I would just imagine that SASE is accelerating or the SD-WAN leader. For example, some of those secure web gateway players in the private markets are more mature, and would that be an area uh, of consideration or any other key areas that you would uh, consider enhancing the value proposition inorganically? Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're definitely keeping closely watching all the, all the change in the industry and also new technology, all these things. But also we want to keep the innovation, not the culture we had in the last 21 years, and also keep the organic growth very strong. Uh, I'd probably leave the, the cash level <laughs> the investment uh, strategy to keys <laughs> to cover that. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, we, we look at our R&D spending as a source of investment, uh, not a traditional capital allocation, but we are have historically been a buy versus, uh, uh, pardon me, a bill versus buy company, and that is to, uh, we feel strongly about the importance of having the, the platform to be, to be integrated. Um, you do see us doing tuck-in acquisitions. Sometimes they take a little bit longer to bring to market, perhaps because uh, the technologies are things that we want to work with a little bit more before we bring them out. Uh, so I don't think that's a surprise. Um, I don't know that that precludes us from doing something larger in the future, but you know we'll we'll look at those opportunities as they come up. Uh, the you know continuing focus will be uh, take, finding the opportunities to rebalance the balance sheet with a little bit of the uh, deploying some of the cash that we raised from the debt offering, perhaps to repurchase some some share buyback, if you will. And at the same time, also, as we look out for the next three to five years and we anticipate continued growth, you know, perhaps a little more uh, investment, if you will, in our facilities footprint. That's helpful. Thank you. Our next question from Irving Liu of Ivercore ISI. Sir, you may go ahead. Hi. Thanks for letting me on. And I would also like to add my congratulations on the great quarter. Uh, I had a question on SD-WAN. I was wondering if you can perhaps unpack some of the drivers behind the com continued momentum here, whether the current hybrid work environment has been a contributor behind behind this strength, and can you help us understand what workers gradually returning to offices means for you? 
Uh, you have a good question. The SD-WAN, we still see very, very strong uh, demand and also uh, <coughs> uh, huge potential. Uh, the approach we have is integrated with security from our beginning and leveraged the 40 gate has a huge computing power, uh, part of 40 OS, 40 gate. Uh, we see a, a huge advantage compared to some other uh, competitor, whether using the universal CPU or some other approach, uh, which is difficult to add any function because the computing power limitation uh, for the low-cost CPU. Uh, so that's where we, we, we do believe we uh, will be the, the leader, the number one leader in the SD-WAN space. Uh, if not now, definitely will be soon. Uh, and uh, and SD-WAN offer kind of huge advantage, uh, like availability, the cost saving compared to the traditional uh, networking protocol, MPLS, or some other part. Uh, and also a lot of service providers also starting kind of a more focus on the SD-WAN or 5G, some other part. Uh, we, which also kind of fit in our kind of long-term bigger picture we call security-driven networking, uh, which will be, uh, uh, compared to today, all the networking just through the connection and the speed, and uh, then the security-driven networking also need to look at the application, the content, uh, the device behind, the user behind, and even different kind of location there. So that's where we see all these kind of security function add on top of our networking has huge potential. and. Uh, uh, which SD1, but the secure SD1 also just just one part of it, but also the the, the secure 5G and also internal secure switching, secure Wi-Fi. We do see a lot of uh, potential to keeping using security cover the whole infrastructure. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question from Taz Kijogi of Guggenheim Partners. Let me go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. I have a question on the attach of support and subscription to your product this, this quarter because it looks like you had strong momentum in product. You had strong billings momentum also. But it looks like the upside in product didn't lead to maybe sort of similar upside in billings. Was there a difference in product mix which led to a difference in attach rate between subscription and, and support this quarter? Yeah, I, I think the, you know, we, uh, we track our – Attach rates and our renewal rates, if you will, within those those bands you see in the analysts say are plus or minus two percent, um, and I think that you know we were comfortably inside those those bands, so there was nothing unusual uh, in, in that regard. Uh, I think that the services buildings in total were probably, and if we go back and check, the, the best quarter that we've had in four years. So um, I, I feel I think we feel good about the, both the services and the product performance in the quarter. And just one follow-up, you give us the mix of billings between 40 gate and non 40 gate. Is that, is that the same kind of mix you have on the product line also? This, the 70-30 roughly, is that the mix of non 40 gate and 40 gate in the product line, or is that, is that mix different for product? Yeah, I don't have that number in front of me, but I don't have a reason. I don't recall them being significantly different when we've looked at them, and I'm trying to recall what we made in the script just a moment ago in terms of product revenue. Um, Yeah, I think we've, we've offered FortiGate product revenue growth in the script as well as non-FortiGate uh, product growth. And we said they were both um, – FortiGate was 40% and non-FortiGate was over 40%. Yeah, those are growth rates. We, don't, we haven't given a, a breakdown by, by mix for the two, for product. We haven't given FortiGate product and non-FortiGate product as a mix. We haven't given that. Got it. Cool. Uh, very helpful. Thanks, guys. Our next question from Patrick Colville of uh, Deutsche Bank. You may go ahead. Hey, thank you so much for taking my question. Um, I mean, 41% product growth is extremely impressive. Um, I, I guess, you know, the questions we're fielding from investors around the cyclicality or kind of, well, I guess, whether it's secular growth. And so could you just help us understand, you know, were there one-time benefits um, you know, because of recent hacks or because of recent events or post-coronavirus that led to this kind of very strong number? Or are you feeling that, you know, that the firewall market, there are kind of some, some secular dynamics that you know, we should be aware of? Uh, yeah, we do see the lot of products starting to go into the uh, lot of a new part of a infrastructure or, or kind of a new area. Uh, and uh, and uh, that, that's also like he's mentioned. 
beside the top five vertical, we do see the other vertical grow faster, much faster than the, the top five verticals, the government service provider, uh, finance service, uh, education, um, high tech, something like that. Uh, but it's uh, but but also like uh, among infrastructure, we do see like uh, whether deploy on the one side on the whatever the the, the smart city or some other uh, kind of uh, internal infrastructure within data center or even work from home. Uh, there's a quite a broad uh, kind of a uh, uh, like a, like a buying pattern compared to before. Uh, and that's also we, we do believe we eventually will drive the additional service because once the product revenue go up and the user service revenue will come, come in later. And also plus the introduction of the new 40 trust service, we feel it's all also add additional layer of a, a potential service for the future. Uh, it's uh, definitely not uh, definitely a secular, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we feel the changing of the security infrastructure uh, is it, not kind of refresh or replace the traditional firewall, uh, which also from time to time need to be upgraded uh, because the network gets faster and faster, but also expanding into the new infrastructure part and also uh, uh, kind of a new area. Uh, uh, we see all, all kind of grow faster than the traditional uh, like the finance service or some other part. Yeah, Dr. Kent's comments, uh, I think it was uh, a quarter and it has been for a while now that we just saw a lot of tailwinds. Um, you know, the tailwinds included whether it was SD-WAN or OT as, as an example. Uh, you know, the refresh opportunity, if you will, is, is really an opportunity for us to, we view as an opportunity to displace the incumbents. Uh, you know, as compared to Fortinet that has 500,000 customers and 70 different firewall models and we, even today we announced a new firewall in our, in our press release. You know, it's not as if, you know, historically you've seen blips with us in terms of spikes from refresh. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, some of the competitors, the legacy players, have a shorter list of customers and a shorter list of products, um, and maybe you're not doing as well in Gardner Magic Quadrants as we are. So we view that as an opportunity. Um, I do think that, you know, other tailwinds that came into the quarter, we talked about the verticals, Ken mentioned it again, you know, and also when I look at our customer sizes, whether, you know, SMB, to all the way to the, to the Global 2000 did very, very well. Uh, I think one thing that stood out for us was the, the mid-enterprise or the commercial part of the business. Uh, that came on very, very strong in the quarter as well. So I think there was a, a long a, a long list of tailwinds for us uh, that, that worked in our favor on that product revenue growth number. Yeah, also the review uh, with the introduction of the new product, uh, the competing power advantage come from ASIC. It's a, it's a get bigger and bigger compared to other competitor, uh, which not only helping like uh, like uh, replacing some of their their installation base, but also expanding the new area, like the internal network in a high speed environment. But but also uh, has a much more function uh, beyond the traditional network security, like for our VPN, uh, like we mentioned, whether from the zero network access or some other like uh, like a SASE or other part like SD-WAN and the 5G security, which none of the traditional firewall has. And that's also what drives additional uh, like sales uh, uh, on the product and also the future service, uh, which is not uh, refreshed uh, compared to the, the traditional firewall, which they, they don't have that function or don't have the computing power uh, to keep adding additional function of the current performance demanding. Uh, so that's where we feel the strategy we have uh, we leveraged ASIC uh, competing power advantage and uh, give us additional function and uh, additional performance, much lower cost, and uh, starting working quite well. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next question from Paul Leani of Bank of America. You may go ahead. Hey, great. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about gross margin. Uh, if I'm correct, and it's, if I'm not, it's not going to be the first time, but if I'm correct, your gross margin um, had gone down about 140 bips sequentially, and I also checked it versus consensus. It's, uh, it's lower, 100 bips lower than consensus this quarter, next quarter, and 200 bips below consensus for the year for the guidance. So um, do, I have any, do I have a mistake in my calculation, or if not, can you uh, elaborate on gross margin? Why is it lower sequentially in the guidance? Yeah, I, I think what you're seeing, Tal, is the, 
the mix shift, right, uh, the product mix shift versus the services mix shift. Um, you can do some pretty simple math in the second quarter, and you can get to, you know, when you have 41% product revenue growth at 61, 62% gross margin uh, versus the services that's fairly constant at 23% and 88% gross margin. You know, that 25% swing in gross margin, uh, when you take that back and you look at a 20-point or 25-point overperformance in product, uh, it works out to be just about uh, one point, maybe just a little bit north of one point on the, mar- on the gross margin line. Yeah, also, uh, you can look at the product gross margin. We actually improved year over year. Uh, even the cost kind of increase, but we do improve the product gross margin. Uh, and also, we do believe with the product growth, uh, product growth, 41%, uh, we can drive a lot of a future growth in the service. That's also the reason we enhance the 40 care and the 40 guard and same time add 40 trust, uh, which we, we do believe will, will keep in, uh, making the future, so, I mean, that the service starting to grow faster, uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. Is there any uh, change in the pricing environment? So there's, there's no there's no change in the discounting. Uh, discounting for the quarter was neutral for us, if you will. Uh, we have taken certain steps as, as we look forward to, you know, some of the changes in the cost structure that we're seeing from our suppliers, uh, and we've taken certain steps in terms of our own pricing going that have not actually hit yet, but they will hit in time for when we actually see those costs in our income statement. Um, can you elaborate on the last point? What does it mean? Um, so do you expect the margins to decline, or do you expect to increase prices in anticipation? I don't expect I do not expect margins to decline, no. Beyond beyond what will happen with the mix shift, if you will. Got it. Between products and services. Right. To the extent we continue to over to overperform in the product line the way we just did, you know, it's gonna put pressure on the on the gross margin line. But keep in mind, you know, the operating margin uh, came in right at the high end of the range. So I think we successfully managed that and it's certainly very consistent with what we foreshadowed earlier in the year where we said within our framework, this was a year in which we would tilt towards growth. We obviously did that, putting up 35% buildings growth and 41% product growth, and at the same time delivering 25% operating margin plus, right? Yeah, we also did more investment on the infrastructure, uh, which kind of making the service revenue gross margin lower a little bit, but also helping the future additional service come in. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Our next question from Itai Kiran of Oppenheimer. You may ask your question. Uh, thanks and uh, great results as well, guys. Um, Ken, I was hoping you kind of you gave a lot of great color on, on on the backdrop and what you're doing and how you're executing well in the field. Uh, but maybe you can tie it up also with the competition uh, discussion. Maybe you can kind of help us uh, understand what you're seeing from your competitors right now and. Who do you see is, is most vulnerable for share losses? It's clear that you're going to continue to gain share in this marketplace for the foreseeable future. Uh, but who do you see are as the more vulnerable vendors here uh, that are likely to cede uh, to you and, and, and others that uh, bring to the table what you can bring to the table? Uh, <laughs> all, Go ahead. All the competitors are good. <laughs> And, uh, but we, we just have, uh, some, some long-term strategy investment, uh, which give us more advantage, uh, whether from the, the ASIC chip, which we started building 21 years ago, or starting building our other part of fabric product, which integrate automate from day one, uh, compares among our competitor more comfort acquisition, make it more difficult to do the integration and automation and, uh, maintain the, the organic growth there. Uh, but, on the other side, we do see there's certain market shift changing. Uh, we also want to take the time, like our strategy strategy, we have a we probably only vendor uh, working with the service provider to fit their strategy need long term, build product for them at the same time, building some infrastructure or some other thing integrate within the 40K, 40 OS, as a single OS or product can cover both the strategy, their customer access, or some other part, SASI <coughs> one security. Uh, making the product kind of a, uh, more uh, easy for customer uh, to to deploy and fit in the, the the big environment, fast environment, much much better. Uh, so that 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 that's why we continue to have this kind of a lot of long term strategy, and uh, uh, we do see that the, what give us a, like a long term benefit going forward. Very good. I tried. Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Speakers, that would be our last question for this call. And I'll turn it back over to Peter Salkowski. You may go ahead. Thank you, Catherine. I'd like to thank everyone for joining the call today. Fortinet will be attending the following investor virtual investor conferences during the third quarter. We're doing the Oppenheimer Conference on August 10th and KeyBank on August 11th. Events, uh, events with presentations will be webcast, and those webcast links are going to be up on our website. Actually, they're already up on our website as of now. If you have any questions following this call, please feel free to reach out to me. As with that, have a great day and take care very much. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you all for joining. You may now disconnect.